Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Rebecca, welcome to the show. It is so fun to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. I it, it was so funny. I was just telling you that I got to read some of your book this morning and didn't even realize that today was the day we were going to be talking. And so it was so perfect. It prepared me so well and so accidentally. So thank you, Lord. I love it. I <laughs> it love it. Out so Provident. well. I got to read the story in the intro and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I was like having an a, a anxiety attack just <laughs> reading it. And I'm like, okay, we need to talk about this. But uh, oh, so good. It's so good. And I, what I loved <laughs> What I want to point out is that in the intro, I'm not going to spoil it for everyone, but what I loved is that not only like the authenticity of it, of, you know, um, just what actually happened and just the openness that you share with, but what I also loved is that you basically, what I gathered from it was you basically were like, okay, I made all this progress with this struggle. And then all of a sudden here I was experiencing it again and it felt like a total setback. So I thought maybe that would be a really good place to kind of start because as I want to dive into talking about your book, Rhythms of Renewal. I want to talk about the struggle that comes with anxiety, stress, depression, kind of all that can really uh, (laughs) affect our lives. But I think it would be maybe just because that really stood out to me, what you shared. Can you just dive into a little bit of uh, that feeling of like, wait, I thought I had freedom. Wait, I thought I made progress. Wait, I thought this was over. I thought I conquered this and now I'm struggling with it again when it came to anxiety for you. But I think it can also apply in many other areas of life for those who are working towards something or who have experienced, you know, freedom or overcome a struggle in their life and then suddenly have this setback. And I think that can be so discouraging. So I thought maybe we'd start with like, let's start with the setback so we can kind of propel forward. (laughs) Oh, no, that's a great place to start. That's why I really wanted to start this third book with that, because I'm really hoping this is the end of my anxiety trilogy. (laughs) But, (laughs) But the backstory on this is that my first panic attack was in 2010. We had just moved to Manhattan four hours, four months prior three kids in elementary school. We left the suburbs of Atlanta, the South Comfortville, sell Mm. most of what we have and move to Midtown Manhattan. And so um, I think I'm looking for meaning. Instead, I find surrender. And I've learned since that meaning follows surrender. Mm. And, And so I had to have that crash and burn moment really in 2010 and 11 that lasted over a year. So it rooted out of claustrophobia, but it was on planes, trains, elevators, subways, and crowds, this chronic feeling of being trapped or smothered. And again, we moved from green space to 8 million people in the span of 11 miles. So 
there is no such thing as personal space in mm-hmm. the city. And for a lot of us who aren't used to that, it becomes a pressure cooker that pushes whatever stress we've been carrying internally mm. or anxiety. Cause anxiety is internal. It's from the inside out where stress is factors from the outside in outside mm. of us coming in. So it's those, that's the distinction between those two things. So anyways, when I walked through that for over a year, Faith was a part of that journey for me. And I remember being flooded with peace towards the end of 2011. And then I didn't have another panic attack literally for seven years until the the beginning of this book. Hmm. And the thing about relapse for everyone is that it brings despair. It's this idea that we will never actually change because we thought we had arrived and we were, we were doing great. And I was, you know, the place where I got my first panic attack was on an airplane. And now I'm on an airplane every week from September to May to teach about healing and recovery and freedom and walking in abundance. So that anxiety is not our fancy word for fear. So then all of a sudden this happens and I'm Mm. like, wait a minute, what in the world? Mm. And honestly, I look back on it. This was two years ago when this moment happened that now is just now coming out in this book, but I, I see it as a grace that I was just reminded that, that we, God doesn't always promise that fear won't come knocking. Like there's a lot of things in our obstacles that come in the path of someone who's charging forward, right? There's going to always be something that's going to try to intervene or thwart maybe the good that you're trying to put out in the world. But ultimately what God does promise is that he gives us a way of escape. And Mm -hmm. so it's this idea of, so over, over the course of these last few years, I had to put these four rhythms in place that became almost a framework for health. And so that even if, and what I did notice in that season is I was avoiding some of those things. I wasn't resting well. My body wasn't restored and strengthened. I wasn't connected with my community very well because I was running so hard. And so then this moment happens and all of a sudden I spiral very quickly. And it just reminded me like, you've got to take these things seriously. And then you also have to just embrace your frailty, knowing that um, this will continue to give you empathy. This will continue to help you connect with people who are walking through the same hard things. This Mm -hmm. is not a girl who's arrived, but we're all on a journey together, putting our best foot forward every single day with the hope and with a continued faith Mm -hmm. that that peace will continue to reign in our hearts, in our lives and with the people we encounter. So good and so true. I love that perspective. And you touched on the rhythm. So now I want to I want to hear a little bit more about that. I just mentioned rhythms of renewal is this is this next or this latest project of yours. Can and, and I love that you just kind of even dove into that because what was the you said this happened at the beginning of writing this book, which kind of created this empathy or this ongoing empathy which I think is really powerful in so many ways, because sometimes when we can conquer something or we overcome something and it becomes kind of far removed from our current experience, it can almost feel a little bit distant, even though it's something we've had experience with in the past. And so I think how sweet that that in so many ways, I'm sure frustrating, but also really sweet to know and to see how that actually influenced probably a lot lot of the way you wrote this and a a kind of a gut check for you as well, which I love. So can you, uh, maybe before we, I want to hear about the rhythms, but maybe before that, I just want to park on this topic of anxiety and stress that you brought up. And I love that you highlighted the differences, Um, but they really are so widespread. So can you like expand on why you think that is? Do you think there's one sole cause? Do you think it's a variety of things? What have you found in kind of your study and experience with it? Well, today, 77% of society are feeling physical symptoms of stress. So that's almost four out of five of us. And that's like 
today's research. So it was very important for me in this book to have research in every chapter to talk about the science behind what our body needs and why. Yes, I come from a perspective of faith, but God made our bodies. He knows what Mm -hmm. we need. He knows what raises oxytocin in in our minds, what raises serotonin hormones in our minds. And so these rhythms actually are practical, applicable ways for us to walk out a healing journey, knowing that like science and faith can complement each other. They can actually go together. And so as a result, I think uh, for so many of us is we, when we, when we see these numbers, I, I like the very first rhythm is rest. And it's all about the things that have robbed our bodies of the ability to rest, which is why we are so stressed out. And so the physical symptoms of stress so often look like um, shortness of breath or, or labored breathing or racing mind that won't quit, which means sleepless nights, which means constant fatigue, <laughs> you know, right. or, or a heartbeat or irregular heartbeat. And then all of a sudden we go to the doctor and they're like, actually, your body's checking out just fine, but it is showing symptoms of stress that can no longer contain the emotional toll that you're walking through. Hmm. And so for so many of us is even in nature, you look at a circadian rhythm, like God created a sunrise, which emits blue light, which tells our bodies to wake up. Hmm. And then he creates a sunset, which emits red light, which is natural melatonin for our body. If we, if we take a sunset walk, natural melatonin will come into our body, which tells us to go to sleep. And so for centuries, this is how everyone lived. We lived with a sunrise and a sunset, but with a digital revolution, now our bodies are told they never have to rest and Mm. never have to sleep. And so over a a lifetime, you know, over a lifetime of demands, especially for our kids now who have only known a digital revolution, they don't actually have order. They don't have a, a boundary or an order that their bodies can flourish in because they're pushing it beyond the bounds of what it was ever created to do. Mm. And so that's why sleep is a superpower. But if we're not getting it, we're always run down. Like right. we can never take. Uh, and the thing about the mind is it can tell the body what to do. So the brain gets first dibs. So if you only got three hours of sleep last night or four hours of sleep, the brain gets to go, I'm going to take this on and I'm going to continue to race. Hmm. through the day with these chronic thoughts that won't quit and the body can never catch up. And so that's why the physical symptoms are happening. And so, so often society sits on a continuum from stress to anxiety that becomes physical to then depression to panic disorder, whatever that looks like. And I believe it's really a continuum based on how far you're pushing yourself and how, how, when's the last time you rested that idea. Hmm. And and so as a result, um, that's why the very first chapter of the rest of the book, right after the intro that you described, is take inventory of your life. Like right now, stop what you're doing, take inventory, uh, because it's never too late to reestablish what you want your life to be about. But you don't even know why you're struggling until you start to examine what's right, what's wrong, what's confused and what's missing Hmm. in your own life to then make a plan or yeah. have or have at least a, a playbook or a field guide for fear on on what to do next to start to become healthy again. So good. And I love that you said to take inventory because I remember reading this literally this morning. And um, I think sometimes we can jump to planning. <laughs> like that's, that's, like, that's like our overproductive brain, right? Like that's the productivity nature that bend toward constantly doing more uh, that we kind of jump towards like, well, what am I going to do? And you were kind of like, yeah, how about we don't do and we actually look back and we reflect and we actually take inventory of what's currently existing versus kind of always forward projecting in order to be able to move forward, in order to kind of uh, reclaim that order, if you will. So I think that's 
so powerful, but something that kind of, I think for at least for someone like me, it can seem boring or seem unproductive, but yet it's such a necessary component and step to actually making that plan effective and, and something that actually works. Right. Because as you know, in business, you still have to debrief and reflect on the things you've already launched or the things, you know, there's always that post meeting that goes, what worked, what didn't and why. Mm -hmm. And we have to do that for our lives and for ourselves and for our bodies. What's working, what's not working and why what's working and not working in my relationships and why Mm. what's working and not working in my energy level and why. And, and if we can't answer those questions, it doesn't matter what we plan. It's not going to be fruitful because we didn't actually attack the problem and then start to create solutions around the problem. And so many people don't, uh, it's, it's crazy to me how much we honor like the things that we are working on, but we're not always honoring the body that is necessary (laughs) to actually accomplish and drive those things forward. Hmm. And so we can have the best ideas in the world and our brain can never stop on us. But over time we lose our, you see what happens is when we get out of rhythm, our minds and our bodies pay the price and eventually our friends and our families pay the price. And then ultimately our, our career and our, and our calling and our Mm -hmm. destiny can also pay the price. So this is an inside out healing thing. It's Mm -hmm. like, let's, let's honor ourselves enough to go like, Hey, I only got one body um, that I've been given. And I I don't know how many days I have, but I want to make sure I steward them well, Mm -hmm. starting from the inside out. Mm -hmm. So good. Okay, so you've said this word rhythm, and I know there are four rhythms. Can you quickly um, share what those are and kind of how they work together to create that rhythm, to create that balance, to create that space in our lives? Right. So these four rhythms, I'm just going to say them real quick, and then I'll kind of debrief on each one. It's rest, restore, connect, create. So because I'm a fan of alliteration, I've just been a book nerd my whole life. So <laughs> I love words. So rest and restore are input rhythms. They're how you receive, hmm. how you get filled up, how you honor. Again, you, you start from the inside out and then connect and create are the output rhythms there. Once you've been filled out of that abundance and overflow, you now can offer something to people and to the world through your. So rest is you all about your inner life, your spiritual health. Restore is your physical health, Hmm. connect is your relational health, and create is your vocational health, Hmm. your purpose. Hmm. And so the reason I start in that order is because they're building blocks. You have to start. Everyone is, four out of five of us are having physical symptoms of stress because we have lost permission to rest. So let's just all take a nap for a moment. Yeah, please. <laughs> and and then and then, you know, let's first of all give ourselves permission for that. I, mm. I'm laughing because I was reading this book a year ago called Rest. And it's not it's just a science book and a research mm. book, but it went back for centuries of of scientists and and writers and literary professors and past presidents. And it talked about their normal routine for a day. Again, this is before technology was advanced. Right. And they would all get up early in the morning and they would have volumes and volumes of work in their lifetime. Like they accomplished like what we would think is 10 times more than what we're accomplishing and we're killing ourselves. Hmm. And so they would get up and their first hours of the day would be creative. And then like it was all about original thought, you know, whatever your brain wants to dump. Because when you first wake up, you're most in tune with your subconscious and your natural ego defenses are down. So that's when it's really Hmm. a wonderful time to write. Like Julia Cameron says that in her book, The Artist's Way. 
And so, so they would, they would write and they would create and, you know, imagine new things. And then by lunch, they'd go for a walk, have, have lunch, and then they'd take a nap. Hmm. <laughs> and I was like, how do they do all this? Yeah. But that again, back then, back, back then it, they had less stuff that we're doing, mm-hmm. but they could focus on the parts that really matter for productivity. And Mm. so I think part of this book and these rhythms is an undo list, like undo the things that are robbing you of your time that feel unproductive so that you can now rebuild a new life Mm. that actually is getting you the places that you want to go. So, so rest is a foundation inner life. I I put chapters in here, like tech detox, morning routine, um, routines for deep sleep before you go to bed, like how to prepare your bedroom for that, Mm. um, how to stop the work on and take a Sabbath, like take an actual day a week that you do nothing that's output where you just enjoy your people, you play, you know, it's like, let's mm. go back to permission to play because yeah. that's actually stimulates imagination and creativity. So it's mm. actually, it's got an end goal, but right. like, just enjoy it, enjoy it for what it is. And then the next one is restore. That's all about your physical health. So once hopefully you're rested and your inner life is good, like, am I okay? Are there unresolved things? Are there people I need to forgive? Do I have bitterness or angst? Am I holding grudges? Like all those things take a toll on your body. Mm-hmm. So make sure your heart's okay. And then go next to the next rhythm and make sure your, your body is strong. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I found as a mom, I have four kids, three teens and um, a, a kindergartner. So that's a longer story. We just adopted a girl from China nine months mm-hmm. ago. That's amazing. So we have my oldest and my youngest both have Down syndrome. And then we have two high schoolers in between. So our lives are very full. My husband and I both run, you know, a nonprofit and we both write and teach. So we're still trying to manage those hours, but I found that when I come home from teaching <clears throat> or being on a plane in, in a different city, my adrenals would crash and then the kids would come home from school and at three o'clock, all I wanted to do is crawl back in bed. Mm. And then I was like, wait a minute, I, I want to show up for them. I have to show up for them. Mm. It's not optional. Like no one else gets to be their mom. Right. So so I had to change my diet drastically a couple of years ago and and then also get serious about movement like, like actually using those workout pants, because you know that a brisk <laughs> walk, like a brisk walk in nature or creation or raising your, um, your heart level does raise serotonin in mm-hmm. your body, which mm-hmm. is that happy hormone. We know that. And so that was all about the, so the whole section of restore is all about play, um, dreaming again, like road trips, like imagination and energy, it's energy, it's diet, it's movements, it's working out all that. Do you want me to keep going on the output? Oh, yeah. Keep (laughs) going. I'm like, I'm I'm soaking it in. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like sitting here like, okay, take notes, take notes, do this. (laughs) So, yes. I feel like I'm just yammering. No, no, no. no. You're doing Um, great. Okay. So then once you, again, your heart's good, your body's strong. Now we move to create, or I'm sorry, connect. Hmm. how are your relationships? Because again, most things we create happen in community and Hmm. through collaboration. So we can't jump to create in isolation because it's actually not as rewarding and it's not going to go as far if we're not connected with our people. Hmm. So connection to me is the next one. It's the first output rhythm and it's all on friendship, like a chapter on friendship, vulnerability. One thing you said earlier about talking about empathy is so transparency is sharing where you've been. And a lot of times we'll do that as writers, like look at what all 
happened four years ago, but vulnerability is sharing where you are. Hmm. And so it's, it's being able to currently tell somebody like, I know I'm, I'm seeing, you know, some, uh, just some reward over in this category, but this category actually I'm really struggling with. And that kind of vulnerability is what breeds connection. And, and you can only connect when you're making eye contact and you're getting like, so I have a chapter on physical contact, like holding a hug Mm. for five seconds, holding a hug with someone raises um, oxytocin, which is the hormone that produces the feelings of connection and belonging. Hmm. And, and to, to that note, as a society right now, we've got 42% are saying they don't have, they feel deep feelings of loneliness Hmm. and they don't have a, 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 they don't have a real friend. So that's almost half right now. People up to age 38 are feeling so. So Gen Z and millennials are feeling like I experienced deep feelings of loneliness and I can't say that I have one real friend. Half of the, half of them are saying that. And so part of what happens with loneliness is it leads to depression because we were actually never, ever, ever made to live in isolation. Yeah. We were always made for communion with our people, with our, our spouses or our family or our friends, mm-hmm. with God. Like all of this is a holistic healing. Mm-hmm. So connect is so important. So I talk about conflict resolution, like apologizing first, um, because somebody has to, so yeah. just, just, just lead. be just that lead. person. <laughs> yeah. Lead because you know, that person may not share the same apology. Uh, but, but your ability to release and let go and bless someone actually gives you freedom to mm. keep going mm. and to move forward and to heal. But if you hold on to things and they become like something that you keep pointing to as the reason that you're blaming for whatever the struggle you're having, you're not going to be able to move past it and you're not going to be able to thrive. Hmm. So that's why I think connect is so important. So we talk about physical touch and, and, and marriage and, um, you know, hospitality is a big one. Mm, you know, so many yeah. people feel alone because they don't feel welcomed in. And we feel like we can't welcome in unless our house is perfect. Yeah. So I, a few years ago, just started potluck over perfect because I was like, mm, I, I love it. <laughs> so many, so many of my friends are better cooks than me. So we do Friendsgiving every year. And I'm like, I can do the turkey because I've studied that over 20 years of marriage, <laughs> but y'all are going to bring the sides. It's going to be much better than whatever I come up with. Hmm. Um, they're just looking for a welcome, you know, so we do that. We do a Christmas brunch, most holidays, our family has 40 people over and we're just outside being ridiculous. But the point is just gather, literally just gather. People want to feel again, this feeling of connection and belonging, Hmm. um, whether you're new to a city or you've been there a decade, it doesn't matter. You still need friendships. And so connect is such an important rhythm. I think, especially for people who are struggling with loneliness and they think they're the only ones. It's look for someone else. I tell my daughter who's in high school now, but I remember seventh grade was not easy for her. Hmm. And I said, there's going to always be one person who's more lonely than you are. Go find her hmm. and, and seek her out and, um, and, and become friends with her because everyone thinks everyone else has got it figured out, but it's yeah. not true. You Everyone's private. privately hiding and suffering. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you're good. I was actually just going to speak into that. I love that you just said that because I think we almost forget sometimes when we're experiencing our own struggle, like with loneliness, but it could be really with anything, right? And one thing that I remember advice being given to me or something that was just told to me that really rocked my world, kind of very similar to what you just said, 
is that there will always be someone who's a step ahead of you, but there will always be someone who's a step behind you as well. So while you're so busy focusing on trying to keep up with someone else, sometimes we can forget to turn around and help the person that's a step behind. Um, And that actually gives us a very deep sense of purpose and a deep sense of uh, meaning. But when we're so focused on where we're not or where someone is that's ahead of us, we actually miss out on those opportunities, right? Like, oh, they're not lonely. I'm lonely. And then we isolate ourselves rather than saying, but who could I turn around and help, right? Whether that's in a career or in life or in loneliness or anything else. So I love that visual just to think like, yeah, there probably will be some people steps ahead of you, meaning you know, maybe they're further along in their journey and they're not experiencing what you're experiencing in one way or another, but there is someone who's, who you probably are a step ahead of as well. And so how can you turn around and serve that person? And I think that does take humility and vulnerability in many ways, um, because we kind of have to get our eyes off of what we're focusing on isn't great in our own lives. Um, but yeah, I remember being told something somewhat like that. And so it just brought that back and I love it. I think that's so true and such a convicting and challenging truth (laughs) and something we have to take action on. But anyways, um, no, I love that you share that. And one other thing I want to point out before uh, before we move on is when you've talked briefly about vulnerability versus transparency, I think that's so powerful. And I didn't want to interrupt you, but I also think it's really important to park on because I've heard it described and I don't know if you've heard it described this way, but I've heard transparency described as like you're standing in a box, like a glass box. And it's something where it's like, yeah, you can see through, like you can see me, right? But vulnerability is allowing that glass box to shatter and letting someone else in without being able Mm -hmm. to help, like without really asking for help or that creating that connection with where you are right now without necessarily Mm -hmm. being able to give anything back, if that makes sense. So I've heard it described that way as well, but I love what you shared about the differences. I think sometimes we tend to lump those two things together and that actually hurts connection. Right. Yeah. Because again, I think it's back to have you arrived or are we in this on this road together? And we're going to all have a day where it's just not a great day. And are we going to be honest about that? Hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, because we all face it. It's true. I mean, it is true. We're going to have setbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, again, those are the things that strengthen us. Ultimately, they mature us. They build actually more tenacity. If we let our pain become purpose, mm-hmm. it, it always is, is it's a, it makes you brave and it makes you have more meaning, right? Because mm-hmm. I'll get into this in the create rhythm, but it's true that, that part of the three things that Victor Frankl says that gives us meaning, it's your, it's your work, it's your love, and it's your bravery and suffering. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't understand the bravery and suffering part. We're like, nobody really wants to suffer. Right. Of course not. Right. We don't want those obstacles, but what happens is when they do come and we find strength and, um, faith and connection with our friends in those hard things, Mm. it creates this beautiful bond that you almost can't get outside of those circumstances Mm. that almost puts you on a new trajectory with your community or with your life to, to live with open hands, to have a surrendered posture, to have belief for more. Um, and, and that brings a lot of meaning to say, like, I just have, I I know you and I, and a lot of us, we have friends in our lives or online that we are watching and walking and praying with that are walking through really hard things. Mm-hmm. And just to watch their approach to those things is so life-giving and inspiring, even though it's because they're being brave mm-hmm. in their suffering and they are actually inviting people in. Um, and what we all need to know as humans is that we're not alone in mm-hmm. our struggle, that we are better together and that the more honest we are about things, the more connected we'll be. Yeah. Yeah, so true. And something that we are so digitally connected that we sometimes forget that heart connection and that physical connection. 
And I love mm-hmm. what you gave that example, even just the five second hug, how much that can actually biologically or physically <laughs> like mm-hmm. create that. And I, I started to think about that and I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I'm actually thinking about times where I've had those like long lingering hugs, like with my husband, he's a foot taller than me. And so I always feel so safe oh, when I hug him, you know, yeah, but sometimes yeah. he like, we always joke, sometimes I'll just like, hold on. And I didn't realize really even why I was doing that. And I think that oh. makes complete sense now that you share that because it's like, oh yeah, yeah. when I make him hug me for more than five seconds and I'm like, no, stay, you know, <laughs> he's like, what are you oh, doing? No, I'm kidding. But I mean, it's just, it makes complete sense. The importance of that true connection, that screenless Mm -hmm. connection, if you will. Right. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at discounttire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, a luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for- one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. 
Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. It's been so funny. I just got back from two weeks tour on the book and just speaking to teens, college students, um, you know, adults, all ages. And um, I've done like entrepreneurship conferences from Mm -hmm. like thousands of college students. And it's fun because it's like half guys and all these things. And I ask them to like literally hug their person, like hug their friends. I'm like, it's it's cool. You can do a side hug. It's fine. (laughs) Like, but, but, but it winds up like the whole room starts almost laughing because Mm -hmm. there's almost this like, release mm-hmm. that comes with it because I was like these people like like each other they're friends you know yeah. um sometimes we just need to like just get, especially when you're away from home and college like probably haven't got a hug in like a, no, a year I don't right know. especially like a you meaningful know? hug yeah yeah but it's just funny because everyone starts smiling and laughing because it's like yeah these are my people mm-hmm. I feel like I belong here um it's like an, a corporate exhale. And I love it because you're right. You can't get that from, you can't get that from a text. You just can't. Right, right. And so part of the point of this book is like, let's get back to being fully human. Um, mm. let, let's make sure that we're embracing rhythms that actually are for our good and for our flourishing. Um, and so these are just examples in each rhythm of how to do that. Mm. Everyone's going to make it their own, but these are things that I found to be really effective over the last several years. Mm. So yeah, the create rhythm, I'll just end with the create create rhythm uh, because probably most of your listeners are killing it in their create rhythm. Like I always (laughs) tell people that everyone has one rhythm that's most natural for them. That's Hmm. most effortless. That's kind of their default, which is great. Like let's celebrate that. Like you're killing it and create, but but that might also mean that the other three are suffering a little bit. So we need to give some focus to those other things or the create will not be able to continue to be sustained. Hmm. So, so the idea with create, it's all about your, your purpose, your passion, your calling, um, like the things that keep you up at night because you're just so fired up about it. Hmm. And, and calling is really where your talents and your burdens collide. It's, it's like these birthright gifts you get in the womb where Hmm. it's just that, that make your heart sing. And you're like, I don't know. I've just, ever since I was little, I loved this thing. So Hmm. for me, I was called, called Becca book when I was eight. Um, because I read 62 Nancy Drew books just in fourth grade because <laughs> like we I had nothing it. else to do. Yes, <laughs> My parents were it. both teachers. I had to hang after school. So I just went to the library after every afternoon. And um, I never knew then that readers make writers. And hmm. uh, But I was always fascinated. Like I would get lost in the power of a story. And I had my nose buried in a book my whole life. Hmm. And, and so as a result, um, you know, much later in life, I wound up starting to write in my thirties and my mom was so funny. She pushed my son on a swing when I was probably, I don't know, 31, just before this was beginning. She's like, I always thought you would write. Hmm. I was like, well, that would have been super helpful when I went to college and was trying to pick a major because I would have never. <laughs> you could have told me this like 12 years I ago. <laughs> I just never would have dreamed of it. You know, it was mm-hmm. not on my radar back then. I'm older than you. But so back then, like not everyone was trying to write a book mm-hmm. like that was like pie in the sky. Like, could you possibly imagine? Mm-hmm. And um, and so 
it, it's so interesting too that like going to New York, having panic disorder, walking, starting to walk out a healing journey from there wound up being our, my first book was all about that kind of mm. chronicles, the crash and burn and like what happened. And I think sometimes those hard seasons of our lives do actually open up um, uh, that really the destiny that's always been there, but we just wouldn't yeah. have we wouldn't have found it had we not yeah. gotten uncomfortable. Hundred percent. And so, so if calling is where your talents and your burdens collide, burdens are really informed by the life you've lived, the family you were born into, the things that have happened, and mm-hmm. even things that 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 break your heart, that, mm-hmm. that have broken your heart, that keep you up at night. And so, my dad struggled with mental health most of his adult life, mm-hmm. um, and so I watched that from college on. And then my son, my firstborn son, when I was twenty six, was born with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. and his IQ is in the forties. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sandwiched, but I'm sandwiched as a daughter between two, you know, my father and my son, mm-hmm. my firstborn with this area of mental health. And so it would make sense that I would use the birthright gifts of writing or communicating to mm-hmm. redeem the things that break my heart, which is mm-hmm. around the topic of mental health. And so whatever that looks like for each of us, there's going to be so many expressions of that. But part of this rhythm of create is to help us explore those things. Like recover our passion or dream again or learn something new and work with our hands come back to our ourselves as eight-year-olds and Mm. what were the things we loved that we drove our parents crazy because Mm. we we just couldn't stop doing it and 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 find how to recover those things um and then see what that looks like for the rest of your life there's a quote by parker palmer who wrote let your life speak it's one of my favorite books on Mm. calling or, or vocation and he said, we all come into this world with birthright gifts, like just these natural God-given gifts that 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 are effortless for us. He mm. says, but early on, we abandon them or others discourage them. Mm. Um, but if we're aware and awake and able to admit our loss, we'll spend the second half of our lives recovering and reclaiming the gifts we've always possessed. And mm. that's really an invitation for every every one of us to just... Um, to just explore those things. Frankel says that the root of anxiety is un- unfulfilled responsibility. Hmm. And it's this sense of knowing you're made for something and yet you might possibly not be stepping toward it because it's too confusing or too scary. Hmm. And so it's just little by little, what is the next right thing? What is the what is a daily rhythm? What can a daily rhythm look like that invites you to explore that again? Hmm. Okay, so good. First of all, I love how you shared the t- the the colliding of talents and burdens. That's something that I kind of have said it differently, but I think that that's exactly what I was trying to get at when I would have a lot of women share with me like, hey, I'm interested in a lot of different things, or I don't know what I'm interested in, or I don't even know what I'm good at, or I don't know what I should do with my life is pretty much the underlying stress, right? In that, in that question. And what I, what the way I kind of put it was like, when you can find that space where you can combine or intersect your marketable skills, the things that actually provide solutions to problems in in society, right? Those talents, Mm -hmm. those gifts, those skills with the meaningful passions in your life. And usually those are birthed out of something that was challenging or hard or difficult or or downright awful or tragic in your life. And it can be to varying degrees. But when you can find an intersection point where you can utilize some of those marketable skills to help solve a problem or Mm -hmm. provide solutions within a space that relates to a problem that you have either walk through yourself or that you really deeply empathize with due to your experience, like what you talked about with your dad and your son, um, that's where kind of you come alive. And that's that that really is like the space. That's your lane. That's your thing. There might be different ways you go about it. There might be different approaches you take to it. Um, 
but understanding those things as a whole that come together. And I think the reason that's so important to understand is because we focus on one or the other often. We either say, oh, I feel super passionate about this, or I'm super interested in that. And we focus solely on that, but we're not always thinking about how do my actual gifts and skills fit into that and what angle might I need to take in that general space that I'm passionate about because otherwise we just kind of aimlessly chase after something that means something to us but we're not really paying attention to the actual hard skills and gifts that we have and that creates a lot of stress and tension and whatnot and on the flip side I think sometimes we can focus solely on the hard skills that we're not really feeling the impact because we're not pairing it with that meaningfulness right so I don't know I just I, I say it a little differently but it's the same concept and I think we sometimes focus on one side or the other and that that's that sweet spot is where those two things can come together right it's answering the question what do I do well and then why Mm -hmm. like for what purpose Mm -hmm. and so it's always everything runs through that lens I'm like yes I love to write but why Mm -hmm. what what do I want to do with that gift Mm -hmm. what why am I motivated Mm -hmm. not just because I want to write books right I want to help people especially who are struggling with this particular in this particular area, because that, again, like you just said, it has something to do with something very personal to me. So that passion, you know, the root word of passion Mm -hmm. means to suffer. Mm -hmm. So when we have actually had to walk through something hard, we're going to get real passionate about whatever it is we're creating because it goes hand in hand. It's, you don't even have to try to sell something. It's changed you and it's impacted you so greatly that you carry authority when you talk about it because Mm -hmm. you're just like, Hey, I've lived this story. I I understand. Like Mm -hmm. this isn't just something where I was like, Oh, this seems like a good topic to approach. It's like, no, I I feel you. Yeah. (laughs) You are not alone here. And I just want to like come alongside you in it. And, and I think that's what people are looking for. Mm. Um, Just other people who are going, you're not alone. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to actually walk with, you in this I am still walking this with you mm. and um if there's anything I've learned along the way that can be a tool and a resource then awesome yeah I love what you shared too about passion the root word meaning to suffer because I think and correct me if I'm wrong but this is what I've observed especially being kind of in the entrepreneurship creative space often um I feel like we equate passions with interests and those are two different things. Um, Mm. And we say I'm passionate about swimming and I'm passionate about baking and I'm passionate. We have all these things and I go, I think we're actually highly interested in those things, but passion usually means what am I compassionate about or where Mm -hmm. like kind of what you said about suffering where it's not that you can't have a passionate interest in that, right? It's not to say that it's wrong to say it, but I think sometimes that can get confusing because we go, oh, I like this and I like that and I love this and I love that. And that's where I think some of us can feel so stretched so thin. We say, okay, I'm multi-passionate, which is true. I enjoy a lot of things, but I think sometimes we can actually, we need to remember what that word means so that we can actually, that's why, I mean, one of the biggest things that I've been trying to walk women through is, hey, let's look at your own story of trial and triumph. Where have you had trials mm-hmm. and where have you triumphed over them? Because those are the very problems that you're going to have the most compassion toward and the very things that you're going to be able to, right. that are going to be most meaningful to you, whether it's right. big or small. You know, one of my <laughs> trial and triumphs that I, I walk people women through in this program that I have, you know, I'm like, it doesn't have to be tragedy either. I think sometimes we're like, oh, I haven't had a tragedy in my life. And I kind of am able to say, well, I've walked through some difficult things, but you know, the one that I really feel like my skills best allow me to help women with is women who are feeling pulled in 15 million directions because they like a lot of things because that was my story. And I got to a point where I was just speaking directly into what we're talking about 
got to a point where I was stewarding and spinning, not even stewarding, I was spinning so many plates and saying yes to pretty much everything and doing ministry over here and small business over there and, you know, speaking here and like literally everything. I felt like I was, I had dabbled in pretty much everything, but wasn't mastering anything. And I remember waking up every morning with, with massive anxiety. And on the outside, it was like, oh my gosh, you're like succeeding at this and you're great at ministry and you're great at that and you're great at business. And, and on the inside, I'm like, I don't think I'm doing anything well. I think I'm I'm awful at all this stuff. And I'm I'm not able to keep up with what's expected of me. And I remember I just had to stop for a while. And I had to like let things go and let plates drop pretty much and say, what right. am I going to focus on? And what do my skills allow me to really do? And then pair that with, now who can I help with this? And I actually was able to go, oh, the very women who are walking through the very thing I just woke up from, you know? So um, right. it doesn't have sure. to be tragedy, but I think we can sometimes the whole point here is this word passion. I think we've kind of made to mean very many different things. So I love that you brought that root word into it because it makes us analyze it and look at it a little bit differently. So we can really understand what am I actually passionate about? And where do I where do I empathize? Right. Where do I understand versus just what do I like? And I think those are two very different things. Yeah. When people get side get excited about something, usually the next question I always ask them is like, so why? Like, where did that begin? Mm you know, like, do you have a memory? Like when was the first time that you were like, this is just something that's so special to me. And it's usually always attached to a childhood memory with like a beloved Mm -hmm. caregiver that just shaped them, that gave them maybe their belief or their confidence in themselves to create or to, to imagine, to play, whatever. So it's so fun because I do think it, it could be connected with like something very meaningful. And then usually it also includes as a result, like there was something hard, you lost that person, Mm -hmm. or there was a real pain around that story too. um, Because it's just part of your story. I mean, that's just part of life, right? We have those highs and lows that sometimes coincide. Mm -hmm. And, and yet, um, those are the things that do birth our passion. Mm -hmm. They really do. And um, I, and I think any, any entrepreneur, any small business, you know, that has a story behind what they do, I mean, it's always just so compelling to the consumer because you're like, wow, there's there's like a deeper, there's a deeper thing behind this that I really resonate with or can connect with. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Speaking of our passions and our work and our callings and all these things, um, I want to talk a little bit about rest because this has been something very heavy on my heart, given the fact of what I just shared with you. Um, So can you just talk about that a little bit? How does rest look differently to different people? Like how does it maybe how is it different for different people is maybe what I'm trying to ask here. And, um, you know, kind of with that in mind, uh, why is rest the first rhythm that you address? Can we just kind of park on this concept of rest and how that weaves into our work and influences our work? Well, a lot of people think that we run to earn rest, but it's actually the opposite. We run from and fueled by a posture of rest. So, so the idea is that if you run from rest and not to earn it, then that means when you start your day at your workplace, for example, you've already had that morning routine where you've received, like you've Hmm. surrendered, you've received, um, if you're a person of faith, you've received from God and you've, you know, you've laid some things down from the day before and you're not going to pick them back up. Like you, there's grace every morning to start again. Mm -hmm. And as a result, you are entering now your workplace or your, your community with health because you're like, I've received from the author of life and I'm going to now take that life because renewal means to, 
to become new again and again. It's like it's new life again mm-hmm. and again. And and so I believe as a person of faith that because God is the author of life, every time we engage him, like our lives are becoming new again and again and again. We bring that newness into every situation. So rest for me is like, let's let's pause on the output. Let's just receive for a bit. Let's make sure our hearts are okay. And I think our hearts are the first thing that that goes sideways when we're running so hard. We don't realize it, but we all of a sudden when we have to ask a few questions. So this there's a chapter in here called morning routine. And I was so surprised because all the secular publications like Parade Magazine, they wanted to use the full excerpt from morning routine in their, you know, 80 million publication. I was like, really, that's the one you wanted. And it was because um, it, it has gratitude. It has literal prayer, release, Mm -hmm. surrender, um, giving um, scripture, um, liturgy, whatever. It was just this slowing down that I think we all kind of long for internally, but we just never really think that there's time for it. We don't, we don't, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're like, we could be way more effective those first 30 minutes of the day before everyone wakes up. Um, doing something else, but actually that centering, that slowing our breathing, even when you kneel, for example, Mm. like in a child's pose, if you do yoga or whatever, you understand kneeling, even just the action of kneeling actually slows your breathing, which quiets your central nervous system. Um, It also, if you do like child's pose where your palms are raised, right, that that's a posture of surrender and release and then receive like, like I lay down. So in that chapter morning routine, I kind of spell it out. Like just here's some things you can do to start your day Mm. from a posture of rest so Mm. that when you walk, because here's the thing, I believe that the whole point of this subtitle is trading stress and anxiety for what? a life of peace and purpose. Hmm. So it doesn't mean that you're not walking in purpose. It doesn't mean that you're not creating and accomplishing these things, but you're actually postured so differently because of intention Hmm. starting out, you know, the night prior, did you go to bed early and did you get your phone (laughs) out of the room? Right. Hmm. Did you, did you get deep sleep? And so as a result, can you wake up 30 minutes before the rest of the house and have some quiet and then order it like be like meditate and slow your breathing and invite God into the places that you either haven't forgiven someone or you're holding disappointment. You know, sometimes we withhold disappointment from God because we think we're not allowed to spill that part, but Mm -hmm. he's like, just pour it out. Like whatever's in your heart, like whether it's disappointment or failure or, you know, rejection, just whatever it is that we might be harboring deep, 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 deep down, like just get it out. Mm -hmm. Like, because you were your body wasn't actually made to harbor pain. You can feel it, but you're supposed to let it out. Hmm. Like God's like, just give that part to me. I'll handle that part. Hmm. Um, and so for me, that heart centering thing is such a big deal because I can't carry peace. I can't walk in peace and be one who, who walks in a room and, and, and creates an environment of peace, even in interaction, if I'm not at peace. Mm-hmm. And, and so that begins with rest. Absolutely. And so I kind of think for a lot of us, like we all, when we come around someone who just feels rested and calm, Mm -hmm. it allows us to exhale. It's like, oh, we're not competing yet. I don't want to compete right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And we're not comparing right now either, because Mm -hmm. you seem like someone who actually really wants me to to flourish. Mm -hmm. And you you seem like you're on my team. (laughs) If we were to start approaching people that way with choosing to trust versus choosing to kind of, you know, push away or compete. Um, 
we realize that, you know, control just masks fear for all of us. And so sometimes when we're afraid of unsuccess, like not succeeding or not being enough, I learned even in the tech detox chapter right after morning routine, I took three months off Instagram after seven years. I don't know why I waited that long, but anyways, (laughs) my dad had died the year, the month prior. I felt depression knocking. I was very familiar with it. I called my friend and I was like, I don't want to hemorrhage publicly. And I he, my friend, Bob Goff, you've probably heard of him. He's oh, like, you he's need great. to get quiet. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's like, you need to get quiet. You mm-hmm. need to find your few in Nashville where you live mm-hmm. and then just get offline. And I did. And I wound up even in that three months offline. Um, the lesson that I got being offline was a, is a lesson of worthiness. And it was like so weird how two months had gone by and I'm driving home and I see this like sunset that is glorious, like pinks and dusty rose and gorgeous. And I knee jerk reach for my phone to take a picture, realize I don't have it because I'm not even online Mm -hmm. (laughs) all summer. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden God says, you're worthy to receive something beautiful and you don't have to share it. Yes. And it was this like what all of a sudden I, it like technology had become this thing that I had to just hustle through mm-hmm. no longer inspired, but more about what do people need? What do they need to hear? Mm-hmm. Um, and this idea of God going like, no, you need to receive in this season. You're grieving. You need to yeah. fully let that happen mm-hmm. so that you can heal so that you can then go back out. Mm-hmm. And so I think for a lot of us, we walk through hard things and we just keep barreling forward yeah. and part of rest as a posture and a heart, a heart inner life healing is to make sure that when hard things happen or when failures come or when loss happens, that we don't dust it under the rug mm-hmm. um, because our bodies actually can't handle that over time. But what we do do is just get honest, get honest before God. If you, if you do have faith, um, get honest before your community um, and invite people in. Because I think, um, again, that vulnerability, it shows humanity. It really does. Yeah. And, and I think we're, we see a, a society spinning out because we are just looking for someone to point us back to being human yeah. fully. Mm. Um, and when we do that, it's so encouraging to me. It's like, oh, this is, this is why people matter. <laughs> this is why like, we're not just AI. Like this isn't all just about like machines doing everything. Like mm. our humanity matters. And how do we take care of that and honor it? so good and so powerful and so true and so needed (laughs) and and the simplicity of it yet the complexity because of how complex our world has become due to technology due to the constant interconnectedness due to all of this distraction ultimately right and um Mm -hmm. it's really very simple and i and i love what you shared there because just the you're allowed to receive this without having to share it I think mm-hmm. we live in such a shareable culture. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That was a big thing for me. I remember one of the big changes I made um, about a little over a year ago, summer of 2018. Um, I remember I just got to this place where I felt like I was constantly outpouring, especially being a person of faith. It's very natural to want to share that, right? It's so mm-hmm. um, you want to share that with others. It's a love. It's a joy. It's a peace. But it became mm-hmm. something where I was no longer experiencing love, joy, and peace. I was actually experiencing the sense of obligation. And it sounds odd, mm-hmm. but I think yeah. even as as people of faith, but just in anything where we're trying to inspire and encourage and pour out and, and, and educate or whatever we're doing with these tools um, at times can begin to rob us of the very things that we also need to receive. And so I remember I just kind of in a similar way, but I basically was like, you know, what? I think I'm just going to pull 
back and not share that online. So 24 seven, if that makes sense, I'm going to just allow myself. I felt like I needed to re I needed to flourish again in that area of my life. And so I thought, I don't think I can do that if I'm constantly putting it out there because then there's no line between what's for Mm -hmm. me and what's for everyone else. And so for a while, I just didn't even talk about it. And I had some questions about it. Like, are you okay? But it was like a, it was like a discipline that I needed to do without having to explain to the world in order to kind of regain that, that, that peace myself and that, and that faith and that confidence myself. And I think we, when we want to help other people, we can forget that sometimes things God gives us or teaches us or asks us to quiet so that we can experience that for ourselves without having to help everyone else so that when it is time to share again, it's from an authentic place. It's from a place of overflow, not from a place of this obligation that really doesn't need to exist. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it totally does. That was a- and I think a lot of us, if we were to pause online, we would actually we would see some release. We would see mm-hmm. some space, some breathing room yeah. for our hearts. And we'd be like, oh, is this thing on? Yep, it's still on. <laughs> like, it's on, but I've had know? it on autopilot for a year. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, there's a chapter called Get Quiet in the Rest Rhythm, and it's all about create space and listen. Hmm. And one thing I learned in it is like, we don't even know what we need to confess until we get quiet. Like, hmm. We don't even know. We don't even know the places of pain because we have just barreled over them. Yeah. And um, so sometimes like quiet is the worst for drivers because you're just <laughs> like, no, now I'm starting to feel more anxious than ever. It's like, oh, okay. So distraction was distracting you from the inner anxiety that that's that low hum that you're always carrying. And, it, and so everyone's like, no, no, no. I'm rather just go back to barreling through life because at least I don't have to feel the anxiety. Yeah. But the problem is, is the anxiety is just a marker that all is not well. Mm-hmm. There is some unresolved grief or trauma. Hmm. And when I say trauma, it does not mean that there, you had an incident of abuse or something like that. It, what trauma really is over a lifetime, like chronic trauma, is nothing more than anything that falls beyond the bounds of nurture. So, so for a lot of kids growing up or for us as parents, like it could really just be like either there was, we overdid something or we underdid something. Hmm. And, and it's just all about how kids received that growing up. It was never intentional. I'm not saying that people aren't good Mm -hmm. parents. It's just that sometimes we all process things differently. Yeah. And so things can become something, whether they were meant to or not. Hmm. And so for me, I was a performer. I was a firstborn type A control freak. And my lie growing up was like, I'm not worthy of love unless I earn it. Mm -hmm. Well, nobody told me that, Yeah, but it was just the things that were praised. Mm -hmm. And so I kept going as long as I hustle and I accomplish something, Mm -hmm. my worth is contingent on my latest accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And I really put those two things together. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until I had a firstborn son, you know, who, who said, mom, are you going to love me for me? Not for what I can do and accomplish. Like he yeah. couldn't speak obviously, but that was the idea of like, Oh, all of a sudden I'm going to have a son who actually can't perform mm. for my love. And, and as a mom, I'm like, of course not. I love you as you are. I don't care if you don't walk till you're three or you don't poop in the potty till you're six, which is what happened. Mm. But like, that was a lesson of unconditional love I received by having a firstborn child with down syndrome. And it helped me undo that belief system that really had shaped my identity up until my mid twenties. And so part of part of life lessons is that we we want to we want to root out those those almost agreements we've made with lies mm. and 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 recover from those so that our worth isn't isn't dependent on what we do. It's about who we are. Hmm. So good. I feel like that's like such a good 
staple and place this even pause just because we want, I mean, I'm the same way. I naturally, I'm an Enneagram three. I don't know if you know your Enneagram number, but I am the achiever through and through. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. so easily equate work or worth with work. And so ironically, I talk a lot about work because it's been the very, like I mentioned, space where I've had the most reward and also the most challenge. And so it's a very soft space in my heart because I'm naturally a very ambitious person. I'm a very uh, go-getter kind of person and a performer and all of those things. And so it's a learning as I'm learning the, like you said, this, these lessons of removing identity from work and allowing work to be an overflow of who I already am rather than telling me who I am um, Mm -hmm. has really been a big, huge mindset and heart shift that I'm slowly learning to actually live out. But it's so freeing to think of it like that and to understand it like that and then to live it like that. But it's so against our nature because we're so merit driven in so many ways. Um, Mm -hmm. Everything is on a scoring system. And so I think we can equate our identity and our worth with that. But I've always had to like one thing that I want to just kind of put out, put out there is understanding the difference between deserving and worth, if that makes sense. So like, or deserving and value. Cause I think sometimes we think we like deserve all of these things. Like we deserve, like, you know, there's a lot of times where we quote unquote act undeserving of love, right? There's a lot of times we can be so right. bullheaded and difficult and we're not really deserving of love yet. We're worthy of it. And I feel like worth yeah. is something that's given deserving is something that's earned. And in many areas of life, we earn pretty much everything else. We earn money, we earn, uh, you know, accolades, we earn a lot of these things. But when it comes to love, the interesting part about it is that it's, it's a freely given gift, especially if you're a person of faith, like, it's given, Mm -hmm. it's not something you can earn. And when you kind of, it's so unnatural to disassociate that with our minds in our minds. But when we do, and we understand that and actually live it out, it takes a lot of that underlying fear and anxiety away you know so yes. it allows us to live that's in such this- a good way to put it yeah no I I love that that's, well thanks. that's so good thanks well you you set me up there but it just it reminded me of thinking of it like that and I think it's so important but man you have just poured out so much wisdom and uh just truth that I I needed to hear and I think so many of us need to hear especially as we're all going about our days and working and achieving our goals and doing all the things that we want to be doing, but also can forget to rest and and prioritize those rhythms. So I am so thankful for your time and your wisdom and this work that you put together. Uh, Where can everybody find it if they're saying, you know, if they're hearing this and wanting to actually dig into these rhythms and learn how to apply them to their lives? Sure. So the book is Rhythms of Renewal. And again, I'm going to spell rhythms because I learned that not everyone knows how to spell. (laughs) And my goal was like, I'm going to teach America how to spell the word rhythm. Um, But it's (laughs) R-H-Y. Everyone wants to skip the H Hmm. at the beginning of the word R-H-Y, but it's Rhythms of Renewal and it's on Amazon, Barnes Noble, you know, all those places. And then you can certainly find I have that and a lot of resources for free on my website for 30 verses for anxiety or top 10 um, tips for mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a rest series. That's just a free video curriculum. That's like 10 days of five minute videos on like, what does God say about rest and why mm-hmm. and why it's not optional, but it's actually for our good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all that's just at Rebecca lions.com. And that's, um, my name is also spelled different. R E B E K A H L Y O N S.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, y'all go check out the book, grab those free resources. If any of this resonates with you, I'm going to, I'm going to RebeccaLyons.com right now. So, uh, thank you so much, Rebecca, for your time and for being on. It's such a blessing, not only to me, but also this community. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I loved every bit of it. Absolutely. 
I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content, and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduce speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary.